Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hardcore Football. It's your host, Phil Baki, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, welcome back. What's up? We're getting back into the swing of things. Yeah. So, yeah. a little break for Thanksgiving, but I feel like we're back on track, so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and this weekend, like, uh, we had to be, like, on our A-game, for sure, because it seemed oh like <laughs> it seemed like everything decided to happen um this weekend All even though uh even though the the premier league is normally our wild child it wasn't as crazy as it has been but uh still like some noteworthy stuff going on there bundesliga decided to just go bananas like <laughs> uh la liga some maybe some atleti drama building <laughs> yes. some like daddy issues in the derby oh my goodness and then <laughs> that's and one then, way to put it and then league un, uh plus champions league europa league tons to talk about today indeed let's do it the uh the one thing i will start by saying is this weekend mika i the one football game and by football the one american football game the one gridiron game that i allow myself to get really wrapped up in Army Navy was this weekend. I saw you tweet. You were like, let's fucking go. And I'm like, who's <laughs> playing right now? Like, what? And then I had to like scroll through. I'm like, oh, the alma mater. Okay. Yeah. So did Army win? Army did win. It was hey. 15 to 0. Uh, oh, shit. Just an absolute. Uh, yeah. It was played in the fog. Um, I think they were just trying to go real vintage gridiron <laughs> vibes, uh, two running teams that, uh, just defensive stalemate for the better part of three quarters. It was, it was akin to watching like peak Simeone versus peak Mourinho. Oh my God. <laughs> just like attritional football. Just yeah. were there fans or like, just just the student bodies yeah just the student bodies were there um and uh i swear like west point invented the bubble so um (laughs) (laughs) y'all can't go anywhere um so yeah um i just imagine they're up there at west point like wait there's a pandemic yeah (laughs) that's how we usually live (laughs) yeah this is normal um we that's can't go awesome. anywhere. Yeah. So a good win for the alma mater, but um, but that's uh all the gridiron that I will allow myself to talk on this on this podcast. <laughs> um so I mean, we may as well just dive right in because we've got tons to get to. And we start in the Premier League. Arsenal once again just falling flat against Burnley. Burnley coming out the one nil winners via uh Pierre Emerick Aubameyang Ongol. Um, the goal scoring wars woes at the Arsenal end continuing, but Aubameyang managing to score at his own at his own end, and not helped by the fact that Granite Xhaka was sent off in the 56 minute. Um, Mika, I mean, last week there was kind of that. It seemed like a little bit of a breaking point for mm-hmm. uh, Arsenal supporters, yourself included. This seemed to kind of pile on um, the and a lot of momentum uh, 
now gaining it seems in the uh anti arteta or at least the do something arteta crowd <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it do something arteta hashtag do something arteta um, <laughs> uh yeah mikel please <laughs> <laughs> i think um i think what you said is is accurate definitely the hashtag arteta out crowd is is uh, coming out and you know it's hard to it's hard to reconcile like <laughs> I, I mean it's just it's hard to reconcile how we were at the end of last season and how we're just in absolute free fall right now nothing is going right at the moment for arsenal um on the pitch in the medical department injury department um europe is fine but i mean there's nowhere to hide now our league form i mean you know, Europe's not coming back till February. So, I mean, this, this just may continue. And if we don't have an upturn in results before Christmas, I think Mikel Arteta may walk. And, you know, the club are saying that that's not, um, you know, that he has their full backing and what have you, but it's pretty, it's pretty bleak. It's pretty bleak. It's going to get pretty toxic. And, um, uh, you know, I, (laughs) I think, as much as it pains me to say losing to Tottenham Hotspur was not that shocking. I think they are a better side than us at the moment, but losing to Burnley, Burnley are not a good footballing side. I'm sorry. They're not, but neither are we. So, (laughs) um, man for man, I think every Arsenal player on the pitch is better than their Burnley counterpart, but that you just not, there was nothing really. I mean, and the thing about the shocker red card too, that is so, upsetting is that we were building some momentum mm-hmm. uh, at that, that point in the game. And he completely destroyed it Yeah, with that idiotic, you know, um, implosion really. And putting his, his arm, uh, his hands around the neck of his opponent after he fouled the Burnley player. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, Granit Xhaka for, you know, he's one of those players that I like, like ironically, but I know <laughs> objectively that he's not, Arsenal level or he shouldn't be. And I think in a lot of ways, he's very emblematic of the, the uh, downturn in fortunes at the Emirates. I know that's harsh to say, but it's true. Um, since he's been at the heart of our midfield, we've languished in Europa league. And now we're getting into possibly a relegation dogfight, which is insane for a, a club of our stature, our history and our wage bill, quite frankly, <laughs> And the outlay that we continue to spend every transfer window, there's this myth that we don't spend money. That's simply not true. Um, but it, it's just not being spent properly. Clearly there's, you know, I, and again, I know why people are calling for Mikel Arteta to be sacked because he's inexperienced and there's big, big questions about whether he can actually, you know, get us through this because there's nothing, there's no prior experience to call on and say, well, you know, he got us, he got that club through that time. Like th- there's none of that. Right. Um, so, and it, it, and you know, it's the old cliche. It's easier to sack the manager to sack all the players, but really all the players should be sacked. I mean, like this squad <laughs> is horrific. That it is horrific. I think that's what's kind of, there's, there's almost a little bit of a, a moment of like mental, I guess like a cognitive dissonance of you look at, kind of the individuals like you said 
matched up against this Burnley side, you're like, okay, Aubameyang and his opposite number is Chris Wood. Like, okay, clear level, levels above, you know, Lacazette, Jay Rodriguez, like levels <laughs> above. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like the, the squad at the moment just doesn't seem to be functioning in, in a way that is productive. And despite the fact that like, from a chance creation perspective, I think I think Arteta may have a little bit of a point in that he is they are creating chances. I don't know that the quality of the chances is is that great, and I don't know if it's dem you know like demonstrated by the side. I'm not sure if they you know if it's a uh, the system or the individuals that lead to the way that the system plays out, but um, but it just isn't creating in the way that I think Arsenal fans are used to seeing chances yeah. created. Like the the whole idea of the way that that Wenger set the side up and the passing and you know walking the ball into the net, even sometimes to the like. You know, people would would call it, you know, that that he wasn't being pragmatic enough or he was trying to be too, you know, intricate in his play. Well, now I think bombing a bunch of crosses into the box, it's it's almost the complete opposite of mm-hmm. of what Arsene Wenger had as a as a tactical uh, kind of, you know, mantra or his like his whole philosophy um, around attacking football. So I think to see it so different is jarring um, just to see because Arsenal was that for so long, but it also isn't effective. Like it would be one thing if we could point to and say, oh, like Arsenal fans may not love the style, but at least it's getting results. Like it's not even getting results. It's, it's not pragmatic. It's the opposite. It's, you know, um, not being clinical and then also conceding like to, to this Burnley side, which was, um, level on points with West Brom going into this match. Like that's, (laughs) you know, it's not just not the, like you said, Burnley, not a great footballing side. And I think that's been the case. Um, for some time with Sean Dyche, it's been like not great to watch. Um, but they actually aren't good this year. They aren't like, they aren't the Burnley of old. That was a tough kind of a tough, uh, customer there that was going to finish mid table. Um, they very well could get relegated this year. And, uh, so yeah, this type of performance and on the back of a frustrating performance in the Derby is just, uh, it, it's just adding insult to injury at this point for, for Arsenal supporters. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And, um, I mean, Mikel Arteta, it just every week when the lineup comes out, it's like, really? I mean, he's, he's really rewarding poor form. And, you know, when he, when he started at the job at Arsenal and he, and he spoke about these non-negotiables and, you know, this meritocracy that he told, the fans he was trying to build when you see William on the team sheet first name on the team sheet every week, it's like, how can we believe this? How can we trust you? Because he's not playing well, you know, um, oh. Grant Jaka not playing well. And, and, <laughs> you know, kind of in Chaka's defense, if there was one thing that he used to be able to do, it was pass the ball forward. And Mikel Arteta has completely coached that out of his game. 
he looks for the back pass to restart to to Bernalino almost every time he gets on the ball anywhere um, in his own half. It's just like, you know, his one redeeming quality is gone. Then he goes and does that. And, it, and you know, Pepe had a red card the week before. It just, it looks like an unhappy camp. You know, why are the players, you know, Shaka, whatever, that's that's him. He He's an idiot. I mean, he comes out with this aggression, you know, frequently. That's not that. That's surprising, but Pepe's that's a, that's pretty out of character. It just tells me that there's something wrong there in the locker room, and I just we have no evidence whatsoever to to deduce whether Mikel Arteta can really bring the club through this. Um, and yeah, if, if we're still in free fall by Christmas, he has to go, in my opinion. <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring up the locker room because there was a very interesting little incident uh over the weekend when uh Matteo Ganduzzi on loan at Hertha Berlin scored an absolute screamer of a goal um against yeah. Borussia Mönchengladbach and in the Instagram comments uh William Saliba Arsenal defender uh was posted a few fire emojis no no issues there because it was it was a really great goal celebration it really was. celebration needs a little work just it was a little weird <laughs> people you know that's the, that's a celebration of a kid who hasn't scored in two years yeah so. <laughs> it's like what do i do um but uh nicola pepe uh replied to saliba he said this is your problem you comment on everything with a laughing crying face emoji and Saliba replied, I'm sending well wishes to the brother that was locked up like me or put on the shelf, I think, is the like literal yeah. translation. And Genduzi replied, we are together, bro. Um, so a little bit of discord like in the camp peeking out through the, the Instagram comments. Yeah, yeah. There's this whole narrative that... Um well, maybe narrative is not the connotation of that word is too strong, but you know that we've been told that William Sleep is having a tough time adjusting to life in England. He there's stories that he had lost family members close to him, and that um, it was just tough for him, <laughs> you know, in general the the move. Um, but then you see stuff like that. You see him playing for U23, 21 levels, and and playing well, and it's just like again what meritocracy are we talking about here? Um, players like him, players like Reese Nelson, uh, Fuller and Balagoon, Mill Smith Rowe, like what can they do to get into this side? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and when you see William, William Saliba saying that on, on Instagram, it looks pretty damning. Yeah. You know, and we spoke earlier in the season, Phil, about Wesley Fofana and how he's just flourished at Leicester City. And, and why can't William Saliba be doing the same thing? I mean, he's I think the the adjustment period and, and all that is when you see it in the light of that comment by him mm -hmm. seems vastly overstated. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting because you can't really we don't see those dynamics day in and day out. But for um for these players to to go out and enjoy themselves i think you know even looking at a player like like uh terrera at at leti um yeah. and now genduzi in germany and and saliba performing well on loan at san etienne you know last season when he went back um to yeah. to his uh 
his former club um, on loan immediately after being purchased. I think obviously the the talent is all there. It's just not being bonded together in a in a meaningful way. And I think it you know when you look at other other managers being able to kind of foster that that uh, atmosphere of of players being able to earn their spot in the team, kind of regardless of their uh, you know, reputation. Um, there's, you see a lot of benefits from that and you're just not seeing that at Arsenal at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Hopefully I, hopefully I won't be taking the first half hour of each pod to talk about how (laughs) horrific we are, but yeah, just no, no wins in the league since November 1st. And, and looking at our next couple fixtures, like I don't see us winning those either. I mean, Southampton, Yikes. Yeah, they're in good form. Uh, <laughs> and they've been a tough prospect for a lot of teams. Um, le- legitimately good uh, at this point. So, yeah, uh, a tough stretch for the Gunners. And, and it'll be interesting to see how uh, how Arteta navigates this and if he's able to survive this stretch um, as Arsenal manager. Because it, be, it will be tough. For sure. The... Um, before we move on to uh, my team's frustrating result of the weekend, although not not nearly as uh, frustrating, I don't think, um, in context, uh, I do want to just say, uh, before we start on the Liverpool talk, Gerard Ullier, uh, the former Liverpool manager, uh, former French national team manager, Lyon and Aston Villa, um, he uh, passed away, and Paris Saint-Germain, I should uh, should say as well, passed away. Uh, today, uh, he was 73 years old, um, and he died in Paris. Um, I just wanted to say that Ulier was before my time as a Liverpool fan. Um, he, uh, you know, I, I became a fan during the Benitez years, um, immediately following his tenure, but so much of, so much of the highlights and so much of the, the trophies that he brought back to Liverpool um when he won that treble in 2000 2001 the the most odd treble you'll ever see of the FA Cup uh <laughs> League Cup and UEFA Cup um mm-hmm. he won that treble uh that season and it was a big change because obviously Liverpool had gone a little bit since they had won any silverware and you know, it had been since the early nineties. And so there were, it, they were starting to hit this kind of strange era and he really brought the, the, the feeling of like, this is who Liverpool is as a club, you know, kind of back to the fans and back to the club. And obviously, you know, there was many more challenges for the club to face in the interim, but I think without him kind of writing the ship, Benitez's years kind of never happened. Um, and, uh, and I'd be remiss to say it. Like, I, I really think, uh, you know, players like Michael Owen, Jamie Carragher and Steven Gerrard all came into the first team while he was the manager. Um, and so those, the careers of those, you know, local Liverpool players might never have happened under, under someone else. Um, so I think I think Liverpool owes just a massive debt of gratitude to Gerard Ullier. And I think you can see based on the outpouring of support on social media today just how much he meant to 
to the club and and to you know the other clubs that he managed as well. Um, he, I mean, he won Liga Un twice with Lyon. So yeah, class yeah. class act all around. I think twenty twenty continues to be that bitch. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Um, Two weeks left, y'all. We can make it. Uh, yeah. Rest in peace to, you know, a titan of the game, really. Um, before my time, too, obviously, as a as a football supporter in general. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, everyone knows about the kind of strange trouble. I always think of the, <laughs> what you know, what is called the Europa League now. I picture that trophy with him posing with it. Right. Um, when he won it with Liverpool. And I think, I think you're spot on. I think that this winning culture that he brought back to Liverpool, you can still see that today with Jurgen Klopp's men. I mean, there's that blueprint there that he kind of laid out for Benitez. And of course there was struggles in the, in the meantime, like you also acknowledged, but he was, he was a very special manager indeed. And you mentioned Jamie Carragher, his, his, uh, his little tribute on Twitter was pretty touching. Um, Just seeing all the Liverpool greats and just football in general come together to, pay their respects. It was, it was pretty, pretty special. He was a special manager for sure. It's very sad. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I guess going into the result, uh, from this weekend, Fulham won, Liverpool won at Craven cottage. Um, this, we spoke about it during the game, but this result to us is much more about Fulham than it is about Liverpool. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think Fulham were excellent. Um, maybe the best performance they've had this season, although, you know, I, I don't watch Fulham religiously, but I just can't remember seeing a side dominate Liverpool physically in the way that Fulham did. Um, they were just up for it. The Craven Cottage was uh, as full as it could be um, yeah. given the, the COVID-19 restrictions. And I think that helped a lot. Um, I think, you know, Fulham, while they dominated the first half, they they certainly tailed off in the second. I mean, you can't sustain that for for ninety plus minutes, especially against Liverpool. And I think Liverpool started to, you know, impose themselves, um, and they end up getting the penalty that that at least gets them a point. But yeah, Fulham were great. Um, they may feel a little bit unlucky with the penalty. I mean, technically it is a penalty, but it is one of those ones that in the age of VAR, you look at that and you go, man, that's harsh. Yeah, um, it just feels harsh. Um, but that's what champions do. You know, they get results even when they're, <laughs> even when it seems like they might not do. And um, yeah, I thought this was certainly more about Fulham on the day than it was Liverpool, but Liverpool, uh, one thing too, that I'll say is the injury crisis continues. I mean, Joel Matip comes off yeah. at the half and uh, I, I mean, they have a lot of, you all have a lot of really interesting youngsters, Curtis Jones among them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he nearly could have won I, the game with that excellent run. I, but, I went uh, to sleep. I went to sleep dreaming of him putting that in the back of the net. Cause <laughs> I think that was like messy against Hatafe vibes. Not yeah. <laughs> nearly as many defenders like murdered in the process, but yeah. still a great run. Yeah. I, I, uh, that it is the one thing that I think through the the crisis, obviously, I you know Liverpool still start an extremely strong team um, in this one. Like despite mm-hmm. the fact that there are a lot of injuries to contend with, um, 
their starting lineup. It's, you know, the front three of, of the last few years. It's uh, Henderson and Wijnaldum are both in there with Curtis Jones, who has made himself a fixture in that midfield, like even despite the fact that, you know, even among the uh, Keitas and, and Minaminos who have come in, like Curtis Jones is is getting the nod in that midfield. Um, and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold starts again, having come back from injury. Andy Robertson was out there. So um, it, it was a very strong side from Liverpool and, and Fulham. They were, you know, they made them look second best for, for large parts of the game. Um, and, and I think a lot of it is, you know, down to a lot other factors, um, in that, um, Liverpool were dealing with, you know, uh, I guess that, that Mata, uh, substitution at halftime, but even so, um, yeah, first half, they, they weren't able to win the ball. They just looked kind of slower to the ball than Fulham and, and didn't look for it as up for it. Um, but we joked during, I think the commentators talked about, uh, that Fulham surprised Liverpool with their mm-hmm. intensity. And I, I think that's so just disrespectful because I mean, what, whenever you hear any Liverpool player talk, they always talk about how the next game is the most important. They never, they never like write off an opponent, um, and so the idea that they were looking past Fulham and got like sucker punched is is uh, disrespectful to Fulham because I think it's ultimately Fulham set up extremely well. And uh, the thing that kind of catches my eye, I guess, about the whole thing is the fact that that first game, like you said, this is probably Fulham's best performance of the season. It's certainly their best result in in terms of like no one would have expected them to to get a point against Liverpool but i think about that first game of the season against arsenal and how arsenal just walked that game and to yeah. a 3-0 win and the trajectory and like the adaptation of scott parker to the premier league versus mikel arteta's is like stark <laughs> because he's he's obviously fulham still have a lot of work to do but they don't look completely out of place. They definitely looked completely out of place at the beginning of the season. They looked like they did not belong in the Premier League. Yeah. They don't and, and quite have that anymore. No, no. I think I think they're better than than we give them credit for, than people that give them credit for. And Scott Parker has shown that he's not afraid of making big decisions. I mean, this result has no I mean, Mitrovic nor Kearney are involved in the starting lineup. And um, those are two fixtures at Fulham, um, two players that were at Fulham the last time they were relegated, if I'm not mistaken, at least Kearney was for sure. I think Mitrovic too, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, Scott Parker is criticized sometimes for playing kind of ugly football, but um, I think, I think Fulham are trying to take a more measured approach to the season um, from the last time they were in the Premier League, where they just spent a whole bunch of money and thought that that would see them through. Uh, looks like they really are trying to play a team game um, and all be on the same hymn sheet as far as tactics are concerned. And I think it's a, a good result. I think they all, I think they are a little upset not to win it, truly, um, given how they dominated the first half. But um, I think it's fair at the end of the day. The the last game, I guess we should shout out before uh, before we move on to kind of the roundup here. 
Manchester Derby happened and it did not feel like it happened in terms of like, it's normally a seismic result and uh nil, nil draw at old Trafford and not a ton to speak about in like, in, you know, all things considered. Yeah. I was joking with you all in our group chat that, um, NBC and Dish are beefing right now, so I don't have NBC, so I couldn't watch this game, but I did not miss anything because I caught the highlights, and my God, it was just <laughs> terrible. Um, some really poor finishing. Uh, I think if United take some of their corner chances better, they might have nicked something because some of the set-piece defending that City was putting up was pretty shocking, but yeah. individually... Sterling and, and De Bruyne had some chances that they didn't put away. So just an off day, probably one of the worst Manchester derbies I've seen. Um, and yeah, I mean, really not much more to say about that one. Um, all the traditional top six drop points this weekend. Yeah. So, well, and just I, a weird one. I think it, I think it is lending. It's like, we're now seeing the impacts on the top six of like a, the condensed European schedule with, with the league schedule being the way it is. And I know there's been talk of like games per day and average games or whatever over the course of the season, this shortened preseason and everything. Like, I think we can now see the toll it's taking like city and United both did not look sharp at all. Chelsea looked pretty like completely average against Everton Tottenham always looked like they were going to concede at least an equalizer, if not more to crystal palace and Liverpool weren't able to assert themselves over Fulham. And it's just, yeah, I I really think that you can, you can now visibly see that there's going to be weeks that these teams just are not at it. Which is why I think that, uh, I'm sorry to bring it back to Arsenal, but I feel like we can't fully discount like a relegation dogfight i think there are teams at least three four teams worse than us but right. <laughs> with the way that things are going for the big you know traditional big sides as you just really put well there yeah it's it's interesting seeing the fixtures pile up for sure so rounding out west ham beat Le- beat leads and leads like the crisis kind of is built i'm not saying it's a crisis yet for leads because they they probably just want to stay in the division but they haven't been getting like the best results recently. Yeah. And, and people who don't know much about Marcelo Bielsa or his body of work are starting to like call him a fraud. And it's like, no one ever <laughs> said Marcelo Bielsa was going to bring like trophies. And even without saying that he did, I mean, they won the championship. Right. So, um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, regardless though, they need to get results in the, in the short term. And, um, I don't know what the problem is there. I think there's just better teams. And and again, West Ham, like just making me look like a fool. They're <laughs> playing quite well. Yeah. So yeah, Leeds. I don't know. They're not bad. It's just, there's better. And that's where they, that's where they fall right now. As, as simplistic as that sounds. Yeah. Villa saw off Wolves one nil Newcastle beat West Brom two one um, Southampton, as you said, in good form. And, and they just, left Sheffield United down in the in the mud 3-0 uh win for the Saints. Palace and Tottenham tied 1-1 at Selhurst Park uh and then Leicester City walked to a win over Brighton 3-0 looked 
quite impressive uh, in that win as well against a Brighton side that has taken points off of Liverpool recently. So a good result for the Foxes. Um, And uh, that leaves us with Tottenham and Liverpool level on points at the top of the table. Tottenham top on goal difference. Uh, Leicester City just a point behind. And Southampton in fourth on 23, a point ahead of Chelsea in fifth. And I believe... Spurs Liverpool is coming up, is it not? It is. The, I believe it's. I believe it's this weekend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Liverpool Tottenham. Uh, it's. Oh, it's midweek. Uh, I should say. So there's two games tomorrow, <laughs> Tuesday, and then uh, Wednesday. There's a full slate of games. So the cri- Christmas came early. Um, in the sense that the festive period schedule is now starting December 16th of midweek games and weekend games um, in the Premier League. Just absurd. These poor players, man. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be a good game, though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess the other one to watch for now, I mean, Wolves-Chelsea is a little little interesting, um, the way Chelsea's been playing. And then... Lester Everton should be a, a decent match as well. That's an interesting one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Mika, what do you say we uh, take a quick break and come back and talk some Bundesliga? Let's do it. Welcome back to Hardcore Football. We move now to to Germany in the Bundesliga. Um, There's really one result that stands above the rest this weekend, and it was Dortmund 1, Stuttgart 5. The newly promoted side just decimating the uh the young <laughs> the young Dortmund side and uh in fact in the process uh ending Lucien Favre's reign uh in Dortmund in the Westfalen Stadion uh I mean this this game I I guess we should just go ahead and and address the fact that Gio Reyna scores a a beautiful goal um to open mm-hmm. the scoring and it just went downhill for Dortmund from there. downhill from. Wow. I can't even speak. It just went downhill from there. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. I mean, the, the goal is sublime. The, the first touch to take it down on that. I think it was Marco Royce, Royce who set him up and then mm-hmm. um, kind of like the outside boot volley, I yeah. guess like it's just a fantastic piece of skill. Um, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, they they end up getting thrashed five one by the uh, by Stuttgart, who were very very good. I don't think it was a freak. Well, it's a freak result in terms of the the relative stature of these clubs or the perceived stature, I guess you could say, because Stuttgart sure. are up to sixth. Um, but Silas Wamangatuka, man, that, like two straight braces, like just going off. Yeah, <laughs> and he gets an assist in this one too. Um. I think Koulibaly added a goal and mm-hmm. it just, they were fantastic. And um, Shukart are really building something here. I mean, they, they get Sven Mislintat from Arsenal, who probably should not have let go, but he's kind of <laughs> running the the scouting at Shukart and they've signed very well. Um, a lot of 
interesting young players and players coming through at the club as well. Yeah. Um, and looks like they will try and really stake a claim in, in the top flight of Germany. And with this result, it's certainly a statement and it ends Lucien Favre's career at Dortmund, as you said. <laughs> um, although to be fair, I think the writing was on the wall for, for Favre for a while. Mm. Um, it always felt like, it always felt like the fit at Dortmund wasn't right. Um, stylistically and just in terms of his personality um Dortmund fans I feel like they never you know maybe I shouldn't generalize but many Dortmund fans I don't think they really ever connected with him um you have you know you had Jurgen Klopp of course and then Thomas Tuchel and these 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 coaches that are kind of like extensions of the fans in terms of like the culture right um, you know, the intensity of the club. I mean, this is a ginormous club. Um, yeah. And I don't know that Lucien Five ever really emanated that, if that makes any sense. Um, sure. And then, of course, the results just weren't, you know, it wasn't happening for him. And to get beat 5-1 at home by Stuttgart, not good enough. No. And I I think um, just to uh, address my social media uh adventure i guess uh oh my goodness <laughs> no i uh so i i tweeted that uh, american soccer culture is is praising the reina goal without understand like without ever knowing that stuttgart was thrashing dortmund um and i do want to clarify slightly and just say that really what i'm getting at is the context of these games matters so much and the fact that lucien Favre loses his job because of this result that has an impact on gio reina like that has a massive impact actually on on his Mm. career so if you're worried about or you know if you are primarily an american soccer fan i totally understand hyping a player like reina because the goal itself is incredible he receives it with his left finishes with his right the outside of his right foot it's a crazy goal and it is absolutely worth like salivating over a player especially in the form that he's in right now he's at the height of his game you know so far and I think we all can fantasize about like where his ceiling is at, but Mm -hmm. the manager has such an impact. His club manager has such an impact over that far more influence than, than Greg Berhalter will have over the development of, of Gio Reyna. Um, If a new manager comes in and loses any sort of faith. Yeah, exactly. Like if he loses any sort of faith or, or favors someone else. Like if all of a sudden Torgan Hazard is starting in that position rather than him, which is not that far fetched of a, of an idea. Now we're not seeing any Reina involvement or anything like that. So that is, I just want to clarify that that's what I meant. I'm not saying that we shouldn't celebrate the rise of Gio Reina. It's just, I mean, they get thrashed five, one, and now Favre's out of a job, and the guy who put so much faith in Reina coming into the first team is no longer there. So that's like, you know, all of this context massively matters in the development of these players. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly 
agree that context matters. And I kind of tried to back you up on that there. But even, I mean, you you took it way further than I was even thinking of it when I first read your tweet. All I thought when I first read your tweet was, yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a lot of it, which is, yeah, I feel like a lot of it got like projected on you, you know, and it's, um, yeah. I Which mean, is also fine. Like if that's, yeah. if that is the extent. It's just Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> for real. For real, for real. But I also have to shout out our boy, Pellegrino Matarazzo, the the manager of Stuttgart, because he has taken this newly promoted side, which has had a great amount of support, as you said, from Sven Mislintat in terms of like player identification, scouting and, and signing. Mm-hmm. Um but he has this team absolutely humming right now. And they they are such a well-drilled and organized unit. They had 28% of the ball and generated 18 shots, which was six more than Dortmund, and 10 on target, which was six more than Dortmund's yeah. four, with 72% yeah. of the ball. So, I mean, that is efficiency at its absolute finest. Indeed, yeah, he's got the he's got the side humming, like you said, like a fucking Porsche. I don't know, <laughs> like it's uh, or maybe a Lamborghini since he's Italian, yeah. but um, <laughs> Italian German. Yeah, it's and that's another thing I think that U.S. men's national team fans should maybe be be peeping is is Matarazzo's ascendancy, um, yeah. because maybe one day he's uh, on the touchline for the red, white, and blue. But you know, either way, his his Stuttgart side are heaps of fun we had a uh, question from richard mejia on on twitter why is pochettino to dortmund next season such a good fit <laughs> you know i i read this question and i i didn't know how to take it in terms of is he saying is it such a good fit and I then think, kind of I like think, leading us or is he like why do people think it's such a good fit i think it's i think it's a leading question of why is it such like a good why fit. is yeah. he a good fit and why will it happen <laughs> yeah like and why um, is it perfect you know type thing but uh-huh. what do you what what are your thoughts on on a, a punch to dortmund move he's been linked with a bunch of teams yeah so yeah but now there's an actual vacancy <laughs> i mean it's one to fantasize about for sure it's it's an exciting one and and why he might be a good fit at dortmund i think the biggest reason being well, two things really. One, the tactics. Everyone knows the guy loves to attack, loves to press high. Um, a young Dortmund side can do that. And and you know what I said just now, the young, the the youth of this team, that's something that Pochettino was crying out for towards the end of his time at Spurs was a you know a squad churn and, and hungry young players to work with. Um, he knows how to get the best out of, of young players like that, and and I think that that would really you know suit Dortmund. Now, I think there's a lot of reason why it's not a good fit, though. Um, number one being he doesn't speak German, and I don't mean that in any kind of xenophobic way. I just mean that Dortmund are very, um, while being such a gigantic like hipster club <laughs> in recent <laughs> years, they are still very much traditional in some ways, and, and speaking German is a is very important for them. But um, you know, when picking when picking a manager, because they do want someone that can connect with the fans and that can speak to the locker room. Um, you know, without the need for a translator or anything like that. So, right. Um, yeah, I mean, Borussia Dortmund's a huge club, you know, highest, I think highest attendance in Europe on average. And so, 
you know, and Champions League every year. They won a Champions League. They compete for the title. I think Poch would be privileged to to manage Dortmund, but I, I don't see it happening as as fun as it is to think about. What do you? What is your take on that, Phil? I I love the idea of it, um, but yeah, I I think I think the club hierarchy is has never really gone for a manager like that. Like, I think they've Mm. always, I mean, you can see kind of in their, in their appointments recently, they've always gone for, well, you know, Klopp, they got from Mainz, like a promoted side, Tuchel, same, same deal. They, he was at Mainz and they signed him. Um, And then the two times that they kind of like went out of their comfort zone with uh, Bosch and Peter, uh, Stoger. Stoger. They were total flops. It was a disaster in like both <laughs> in both cases. So Lucien Favre was like kind of in the same vein where he had he had been not at the top of the Bundesliga or anything like that, but he had, you know, been a solid club manager for, for a number of years. So I don't know that they would go with a high profile signing like that especially with him being spanish and like he would need to or argentinian sorry having coached in spain yeah yeah and 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 and, uh and needing yeah he would need you know he'd be the the bielsa of of the bundesliga like he all his press conferences would be done you know via well i guess in english um because he he primarily which I don't know. It's it's an he odd one. But he it, didn't speak English when he joined Southampton, so it could um, be could be a thing. Yeah, I like that question though. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. Um, so the the other result uh, that kind of shook the Bundesliga and at least shook things up at the top: Bayer Leverkusen four, Hoffenheim one, and uh, Leon Bailey fires a brace. He's scoring and assisting in like by the by the boatload right now Leon Bailey and uh Leverkusen top of the Bundesliga yeah you spoke about the disaster class that was Peter Bosch at Dortmund but at Bayer Leverkusen my goodness they're scoring for fun right now and and Leon Bailey is certainly heating up I think he went under the radar a little bit last season but he was a terror in this match I mean just relentless um I mean Shades of uh, like a young Sadio Mane, really in this moment yeah. for me, um, um, and he gets two goals here. One which is just like a, a belter to yeah. open the scoring in like the fourth <laughs> minute, and then uh, then he capitalizes on a horrific back pass from Andre Kramaric to mm-hmm. to Bauman that just doesn't go right, and so, um. Baumgarten, I think his name was, gets the gets a screamer for Hoffenheim, but I, yeah. I just it's so sad when like a, a great goal is scored and a loss because yeah. <laughs> no one ever talks about it. But I just want to shout him out there. Is there um, but is, is there like a name for that? Uh, there's got to be a German word for a great goal that is forgotten because it's scored in a bad loss. Uh, Schadentor. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I made that up, obviously. Yeah. We'll have to figure that out. I bet there is a word. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> but no, it was a it was a weird performance for Hoffenheim. A lot of really silly fouls, a lot of silly cards. Um, yeah, really just didn't do themselves any favors. Um, and and Leverkusen are thriving right now, and they they go top, especially with the other result. Yeah, <laughs> that happened. Well, and it and it is crazy because I mean I think we are thinking about this season as like the season of the other, like the chance mm. for the chance for these teams outside of the the normal power structure to to assert themselves. Um, and so we saw the Bundesliga as being a little more straightforward. We talked about, I think we spoke at the beginning of the season specifically about Leverkusen, maybe not being able to know where the goals are coming from without Kai Havertz, but it seems like Kai Havertz departure has actually allowed other players to kind of step up into the limelight. I'm not saying that they're better without him or anything like that, but, um, but yeah. players like Bailey and, and Diaby are, are now stepping up and kind of taking on this mantle. Um, yeah. Diaby, Lucas Eladio, Florian Verts, who's a very exciting player. Yeah. Um, born in 2003, which is just so depressing to think about, but anyway, <laughs> Um, so yeah, Leverkusen top specifically because Bayern went to Berlin and were held, uh, to a draw one, one by Union and Union could have won this game on a different day. Yeah, they had, they had a quite a number of chances. I think a lot of them were, um, like in the air, (laughs) but Lewandowski, I mean, when I think I said it last time or at some other time, if, if. If Bayern isn't inevitable, Lewandowski certainly is, and he scores, of course. <laughs> um, but um, I think I said it earlier, Stuttgart six. I meant Union. Stuttgart seven, so it was kind of close. But I mean, yeah. it's a great result for Union to to draw. Um, you know, when you're coming up against the defending champions, all you're trying to do is not lose or not get blown out, and you know, job done here. And they they're sixth, so good up. Yeah. Um. It was there was a moment uh, that was really funny because I was watching this game with my sister, who is a Bayern fan, and we mm-hmm. turned it on uh, in it had started, you know, a cu- just a couple of minutes prior. We turn it on. And in that moment of the TV, like adjusting or whatever, <laughs> the red team, the team dressed in red scores a flicked header at the near post. And the assumption is that it's Bayern because, you know, the team in red. And it wasn't (laughs) until the camera zoomed that we all realized, oh, they're at Union uh, and Bayern's wearing black. And that was Union opening the scoring in the in the third minute. So, uh, yeah, it was a really funny moment of my sister celebrating and then realizing, oh, no, that is not us. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. Shout out Wish to, shout out on, to Lizzie. Video. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, that leaves us, I guess, in the uh, in the grand scheme of things. Um like we said, Leverkusen top, Bayern second, RB Leipzig uh, level with Bayern on points now. Wolfsburg in fourth, um, which shout out to Wolfsburg. 2-1 win over Eintracht and a dramatic winner in the 88th minute from Wout Weghorst, who continues to hit Bastos levels of scoring from like old school Wolfsburg, like 
he actually, I can't remember the exact stat. I should have looked this up, but Derek Ray mentioned something that he is, um, I think the first player to score this amount of goals in the first half of the season for Wolfsburg since Edin Dzeko. Um, Holy shit. So he's at scoring at, uh, you know, all time great levels. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think um, just a, an aside, I think this season is like the season of target men because <laughs> those athletic players, man, they're getting run into the ground right now. And it's the, the big lumps <laughs> up front <laughs> that can get it done down the stretch. And he's certainly doing that. Yeah. Uh, Dortmund down to fifth as a result of their loss. And then uh, and Union. Um, just a couple of points behind them in six level on points with Stuttgart and Mönchengladbach in six, seventh, eighth, um, simply separated by goal difference. And then we do have to give a quick, uh, just, I mean, pour one out for Schalke F in the chat. <laughs> Schalke we're leading two one and 90 plus three, the equalizer is scored, uh, and Schalke, Schalke's winless run in the Bundesliga continues. I feel like the entire internet jinxed this, myself included, because we were all tweeting like in the 80-something minute, like, oh my God, like, <laughs> Schalke, can they hold on? No, they cannot. Marco Richter, 93rd minute yeah. <laughs> equalizer. It's it's just the way that it's happening this year for Schalke. Um th- it just it doesn't seem like any help is coming and and they're just rooted to the bottom of the table devoid of any confidence that they did carry um so yeah it it's just tough um i mean armenia's uh, armenia bielfeld's up to 16th as <laughs> just due to like pure uh incompetence from the rest of the of the <laughs> bottom two mines and Schalke mines de- defeated by uh, FC Köln over over the weekend as well so um the bottom stratifying a little bit but the top uh still very very early um in the game to call uh how this one will will pan out with a bunch of teams still in the running at the top indeed um well, I guess we should head over to Spain, La Liga, um, Madrid Derby. This is a, always a massive match. And I think going into this one, the expectation, and we've talked about the expectation around Atleti just due to the stumblings of Madrid and Barcelona this year. And Real's hold over Los Colchoneros just seems to continue. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of the pundits had Atletia as the favorites going into this one. But um, at this point, and in lots of other derbies, actually, now that I come to think about it, I think think it's mental for Atletico de Madrid now. I think it's just a mentality thing. I don't know how they can convince themselves to win these derbies because they're they're talented. You know, they've got talented players. This is one of the most talented Atletico sides we've seen from, you know, an attacking standpoint. But they just looked shook yeah <laughs> i mean they really did Raul really didn't look uncomfortable at any point in the match um you know there is a a case to be made that this game could have been very different if lamar doesn't miss that sitter at the, yeah. at the near post i mean yeah. it was bad 
Um, and then the Oblak own goal is just very unlucky. Oblak was excellent. Um, yeah. You know, so for him to show up in in the uh, match report with an own goal is just very unfortunate. It's a nice hit by by Danny Carvajal, but um, yeah, just Atleti man. I don't know what you know. Even Diego Simeone looked. Uh, puzzled at times, I guess you could say on the, <laughs> on the, on the touchline, especially when they, when they would concede. Um, yeah. So, you know, Atleti's title credentials tested here and, and yeah, it's, they were found. Uh, wanting. Real, <laughs> indeed. Real Madrid still kind of uh, look like they run the capital at the moment. <laughs> I swear it it's like a hex because I, this result made me mad. Like I got upset about this because <laughs> I Atleti came to Anfield last season in the Champions League and came away advancing in in the Champions League at the expense of Liverpool who had been practically invincible like mm-hmm. in all, you know, to all comers at that point in the season they they just were not losing games um and they went to the Wanda and you know they they held their own against against Liverpool there then went to Anfield and you know in extra time were able to pull out pull out the win and all of the like mentality and all of the just insane fight that that took is what i expected out of this derby and what we saw was just Atleti being completely toothless for like 85 minutes yeah. Out of the out of the ninety, um, and yeah. it, that's just so crazy to see that there was no ed- it, there wasn't even really an edge about Atleti to try to unsettle Madrid. It was just like always they 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 seemed like they had some kind of complex that was yeah. holding them well, back do. from from being themselves. Uh, they against, absolutely yeah. do. They're yeah, like, they're like. Uh, Atleti is that kid who goes home for a high school reunion and like reverts completely to who he was in high school. Like he's, he's this, like (laughs) he was like a nerd in high school and he wasn't popular or anything like that. He went away. He's got like a killer job. He's like, he's just absolutely killing it on all fronts. And then he comes back home and he's like that nerd again in front of like the popular kids. So from he's like school. a Silicon Valley like tech bro yeah. <laughs> that like comes home and is just like nerd again. Yeah, he can't shake <laughs> his old like his old demons like when he's face when he's out on his own doing his own thing, he's just absolutely killing it. And that's Atleti. They they come home for their high school reunion in Madrid. Sergio Ramos puts him in a locker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and we, we focus a lot on Atletico there, but I think a lot of credit goes to Zidane because every time it feels like he might actually walk, whether on his own accord or not, the team pulls out a result for him. Yeah. Um, and he got the tactics right on this one. And yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good result for them. And I don't know, Atleti just have to, they have to figure something out in the derbies because it's, it was hardly competitive. Yeah. Casemiro, I gotta, I gotta shout out Casemiro too because he only scores in in big derbies. Like I, uh, yeah. I, he always pops up with a goal either against Barca or Atleti. 
Or like Juventus in the Champions League. Yeah. 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 Like only <laughs> big games. Big game player for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Goodness. Um, the question uh, that came out as we talk about the table, because obviously Madrid, uh, well, uh, between Atleti and Real, Real needing to gain ground on their, their capital rivals. Um, they're now three points back. But with two games still in hand, Sociedad still top, um, even though they have stumbled a little bit of late, still top uh, level with Atleti on points and goal difference. Uh, (laughs) But um, we had a question from Rene Hernandez. He said, if you're Real Sociedad, how do you approach January, the transfer window being currently on top of the table? Do you not spend and try to keep the status quo or do you go out, spend some money to reinforce the team and really go for it? Um, or do you try to target some loans for maybe some out of form player, big player, big name players at, at clubs like uh, like Deli Alley or Jesse Lingard? First of all, let me just say when I read this question and I looked at the examples of loan players, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what are you talking about? And then. I looked into it and Jesse Lingard is actually linked with real stuff. <laughs> oh my God. So, no, because I thought the so, same thing. Uh, I was like, Lings? Uh, I don't know yeah, about that apparently, one. But. Apparently that, that might be on. And and it wouldn't be the worst move in the world. I mean, you're going to a title challenger when you're not even seeing the pitch at Manchester United. But um, yeah. to answer the actual question, I think if anything, they do go for loans. First of all, Real Sociedad are not a a big spending club by any stretch of the imagination. Anyway, they did earn a pretty penny on the Diego Llorente transfer to Leeds. I believe that was for a fee of like 22 million euros or something, but I think they put that in the rainy day fund, given everything that's going on in COVID-19, the league has put in some financial restrictions for all the clubs. So they'll have to abide by those as well. Um, But, you know, they've got a good pipeline of talent. They have a pretty decent squad. David Silva's back in the mix as far as I can recall. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think if anything, there will be some loans and it will be pretty low key. I don't know that they try to, you know, bring in a a huge name. They don't have the the facilities for that anyway. So that's kind of what I see. And maybe Lingard, you know, wouldn't be a bad shout. Some depth in in those creative areas is not a bad thing given they had a they kind of have a Martin Odegaard sized hole in the, in the squad if David <laughs> Silva's not playing. So, well, and I feel, I can't help but feel like Adnan Yanazai really paved the way for a potential loan of Jesse Lingard, <laughs> uh, from the Fair. David, the David, David Moyes. I was, I was thinking David, David, David Silva. Um, yeah. From the David Moyes era. Anyways, David Moyes. Yeah. Iramendi. <laughs> Um, oh my god so uh <laughs> anyways david silva did come off the bench uh in in sociedad's 1-1 draw with ibar but um kind of emblematic of what's going on at sociedad right now like they are playing fine but they're just not winning games mm-hmm. recently a lot of draws a lot of draws yeah yeah um but again, like they're they're pretty measured, I think, in their approach. I mean, they're certainly more flexible in transfers than say Athletic Club. I mean, right. they they were the first <laughs> to kind of abandon not abandon, but ease restrictions on what kind of players they bring in outside of that Basque area. But um I think they just keep trucking along and hopefully find more goals, really. The 
a, a big result happened in La Liga today. Um, mm-hmm. The the Monday game, Celta Vigo just destroyed Cadiz 4-0 um, in a result that brought Celta up to ninth in the La Liga table. I mean, it felt like a couple days ago we were talking about them being in trouble, and now these last few results... Celta's dragged themselves right back up the table. They are a point behind Barcelona. Bruh. That just shows you how bad Barcelona has been, though, huh? The Hungarian or... Who 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 did you say they'd be a top team? Hungary yeah. and... Hungary and Ukraine. The, yeah. The Hungarian <laughs> champions, Barcelona. Oh, my God. Yo, that's disrespectful. The very fitting Vados. Yeah. <laughs> um, Celta, man. Yeah, ever since they appointed uh, Eduardo Cude on... November 12th, they have three wins and a loss. Yeah. Um, so good on good on Celta for, uh, you know, taking action and trying to arrest the slide as soon as they could. They're, they're up to ninth, as you said. And on top of that, I think I saw on Twitter over the weekend that their B-side beat Deportivo La Coruña in the Darby. Oh, and I no. think that I think that might actually put Depor in like in danger of going down to Tercera. So, Oh my God. Um, just crazy. That's in the, that's insane scenes. Well, and that's such a, yeah, two that's one. That's Delta such a two. Deportivo. <laughs> that's such a power shift. Uh, like in, in the grand scheme of, because Celta was never the, the big like Galician club. Like Depor was always that. Well, as far as like my, yeah. my like, Deport was the third club. Like it was yeah. Real, Barca, yeah, and and Atletico de Madrid are what Deport was in the early two thousands, right? Super Deport, yeah. And for them to be in Segunda División B is just sad. Yeah. For for context, for anyone like Deport was in uh, was in Liverpool's Champions League groups the year that they won in oh five. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Monaco and Olympiacos still up among the among those heights. Depor far from it, unfortunately. Um, yeah, indeed. The the La Liga table, uh, as we said, Sociedad top um, still, but Atleti level on points with two games in hand. Uh, Real Madrid uh, three points behind Atleti, although Atleti still have a game in hand on on Real and Villarreal. Still hanging around in fourth. Sevilla up to fifth now, though. And uh, Granada, Cadiz, and Barcelona down in eighth. Still a couple of games in hand over some of the teams above them. Um, but I think the best judge of Barca's form right now is they are two points behind Sevilla having played the exact same amount of games. And Sevilla haven't exactly lit the world on fire either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Although they have been much better recently. They have been, yeah. Um, but again, I think uh, the fixture pileup is going to tell for them too because they are through to the knockouts in Champions League. So yeah, we shall see. I think um, if I'm remembering cor- correctly, as we kind of look through some of the other results, um, the uh, oh, it was Betis uh, playing Villarreal, another one-one draw, and Sevilla beat Hatafe. Granada get a win, um, which they had kind of desperately needed. Um, 
there and uh, Huesca get a rare win over Deportivo Alaves. Yes. Was that Huesca's first win in the league this year? Yes, it was. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they had they have eight draws um, and just the one win. They've only lost four times, but they're second bottom <laughs> because they have eight draws. Oh my God. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Huesca, man. One of those um, like for real yo-yo clubs. And Javi Ontiveros, I think, scored the, the winning goal and he had a very emotional um kind of celebration and ex- yeah. explanation afterwards dedicating it to his grandmother who is in in hospital with with COVID-19 and saying wow. you know the goal was for her because I, I need her is was his words wow and so very emotional wow. um got me right in the feels uh but yeah good for Huesca they uh the the real the story at the bottom of the table is Osasuna who have three wins and are still bottom um <laughs> they're behind Huesca because of the amount oh of God. draws. That is ridiculous. And yeah. Osasuna are one of those sides that I feel are really suffering without the fans because El Cedar on a on a rocking night with with all the fans there is is it's a very hard place to go play. And so kind of feel for Osasuna in that regard. Yeah, it's uh La Liga remains just absolutely nuts because Sociedad top and Osasuna bottom, it's only a 15-point gap between – it's five oh games. God. Like, it's five wins. That's not That's not much. Because I think if I'm – like, just for, just for the sake of – I mean, in the Premier League, Sheffield United has one point on the bottom mm-hmm. of the table. That's a 24-point gap between top and bottom. Yeah. 15 is nothing (laughs) nothing yeah it really i mean the the teams in the relegation zone right now could be totally different (laughs) come yeah in la liga yeah there i mean valencia in 12th is within three points of of the relegation team you know and you think of valencia and you're like they've been fine they've been decent they've been actually getting some results yeah (laughs) yeah La Liga, man, stay woke on La Liga. It's Seriously, the best. yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's gonna remain crazy all up and down uh, for the entire year. So definitely, definitely keep your eyes peeled. Um, I guess we'll uh, we'll talk some league un um, and uh, and then get on to some Syria odd right before we take our uh, our next break. But league un seismic result uh, in the Parc des Princes, uh, Lyon getting the one nil win over PSG um, Cadavere uh scoring the goal for, for Lyon. Um, and then the result a little bit marred by just an absolutely shocking tackle from Tiago Mendez, which has put the, the remainder of Neymar's season in a little bit of question. Yeah, it's a, it's, you, n- you never like to see that kind of thing because it was a bad tackle clatters right into his ankle um Neymar was in tears um but I did see today that it looks like the injury is not as serious as it was feared to be it sounds like the prognosis is three weeks and Neymar was very um emphatic on Instagram about the the Champions League draw so to me it sounds like he definitely plans on being back for those fixtures right um so 
I'm, you know, I'm glad to see that. You never want to see one of the best players in the world um, out as much as Neymar already has been. So, right. Um, but, but like you said, <laughs> seismic result. What's Preno Kimpembe doing um, <laughs> when he tries to dribble through Leon's high press and loses the ball? I don't even know who he's trying to pass to or if the ball just like gets away from him. But uh, Toka Kambi is able to latch on, and then, like you said, Kadawari scores. And PSG, man, with the amount of investment that they have relative to the rest of the league, they really should not be losing as many games as they already have. I mean, they've already lost to, to Lens, to Marseille. They drew Bordeaux, um, lost to Lyon in this one, blanked at home, and mm. they've got league leaders Lille in two weeks. So, yeah. um, you know, I think we may see a new French champion, hopefully. <sighs> yeah. I, it's Le- early, but Le- Leon. <laughs> Lyon are really starting to come into their own too. Um, I think it's worth worth mentioning that they've won five in a row, um, and they have they have just still the one loss to Montpellier to mm-hmm. uh, one on September the fifteenth. That was the last time this Lyon team lost. Um, so I mean they are they they're just extremely consistent right now, and they're they're finding ways to win. Um, to go to the Parc de Prince and and get a result like this says a lot about mm-hmm. about this Lyon side. Um, as much as it is about you know PSG maybe not being at you know firing on on all cylinders because I think since the Champions League final we've seen them them be affected uh, a lot more domestically than than what they are used to, but. This this would be a big result in any season, and it remains a big one um, in this one, I think. Uh, and as you look across across France, as you said, Lille, um, the beneficiaries, uh, but Lille and Lyon level on points at the top of Liga 1. PSG dropped to third by a single point, and Marseille sit just a point behind PSG. So Marseille, who also were kind of had some question marks about it, have won five on the bounce as well. So people charging right up the league on table. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. We have, I feel like we've been sleeping a little bit on league on, but <laughs> saw that PSG result. I was like, we've got to talk about it, but yeah. still early. But I, I think if, if any of the big, if any of the reigning champions are going to get knocked off, it, it might be PSG this year. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, have to have to shout out uh, the Montpellier side as well. Just a point behind Marseille, so yeah, make it, definitely making it interesting at the top of at the top of Liga Un and that race for for Europe will be will be have to be watched with a lot of interest because uh, a lot of interesting things happening um, in France right now, and um, yeah, uh, uh, should be a fun one to watch in the run in. Indeed. Um, as we briefly get to touch on Syria, uh, um, pretty, pretty standard weekend, I guess you would say not, not anything too, too crazy. Um, the, uh, the, you know, the reigning champions, Juve, Seoff, uh, Genoa three, one, um, Milan held though by Parma. And that, that probably is the result of the weekend, uh, in terms of, in terms of shocks, Teo Hernandez, uh, had to equalize. It was a 91st minute. Parma nearly got out of there with the win. Um, mm-hmm. 
on they they withstood Parma to their defense an absolute barrage from Milan. <laughs> Twenty six shots from from AC Milan in this one uh, to just the four shots. Both shots on target found the back of the net for uh, for Parma, so they nearly had the smash and grab completed. But uh, Milan stay stay top by three points uh, over their crosstown rivals. Crazy. Did you hear just while we talk about Italy that uh, I guess Papu Gomez had a falling out yeah. with the manager at Atalanta? I would hate to see that. That is, I mean, and the names that I've seen go around uh, in terms, I I think I saw him linked to FC Cincinnati. And the He's, idea, uh, no, the idea that Papu Gomez would go from playing Champions League football in Bergamo to playing for FC Cincinnati, like a bottom barrel MLS team, <laughs> that would be one of the most depressing things that's happened and this year has been horrible. <laughs> yeah, that transfer would give me COVID-19. Um, <laughs> I would take him at Arsenal. Like, I'm not even joking. I absolutely love Papa Gomez. And, and honestly, he could probably inject some much-needed creativity into this Arsenal side. He's, you know, the wrong age profile. But if he would take, like, reasonable wages, I would take him for sure. I think he could. He's a, you know, he's. A fighter, like I think he could play very well in the Premier League. What do you, what do you kind of think on that? Yeah, I think, I think his, I think his profile makes a lot of sense, and I think the way that he's performed in games against English sides too kind of highlights how he could, he could fit in um, to that style of play. He's always so dangerous. Like when he is on the ball, it just seems like something is about to happen. He's like that mm-hmm. sort of player. He has that air of of just intensity and and uh, he's he's kind of a classic South American ten like that's how mm-hmm. you think how you think about him I guess. Um, Ganchi, yeah, yeah. I just I think uh, I think he could make a difference for a lot of teams, and the idea that he would go to MLS is kind of crazy um, because he still has so much to offer on like a larger stage, um, you know. If if that's mm-hmm. where you want to end up, that's fine. I don't, you know, I'm not holding that against anybody. But um, but he's no, he's still he's such still a class. Yeah, yeah. Um, Atalanta though, despite the falling out uh, between uh, Gasparini and and Papu Gomez, uh, pretty much dismantled Fiorentina three uh, nil. Gosens, Malinowski, and and Toloi, uh, the goal scorers, and Atalanta looking not, none the worse for wear. Um, against uh against Fiorentina um I guess the craziest the craziest game Torino cannot find a win still 3-2 loss to to Udinese with uh with with uh Udinese running out um with uh a goal in the 69th minute 2 minutes after <laughs> After Torino equalized, they scored the winner. So, oh my god, it's just yeah. Um, Roma beat the brakes off Bologna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Mkhitaryan scored in that one too. Yeah, he did. Uh, five different goal scorers, including an own goal. So, yeah. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, Roma scored all six goals in that one. Um, <laughs> 
that's uh they couldn't even let Bologna have have nice things. Um, the I mean, Serie A get, remains very interesting in terms of M- Milan top by three, as we said, over Inter Milan, um, who are on 24 points. Napoli and Juve level on 23 points uh, just behind. They are fourth. Juve is <laughs> fourth. Is it going to happen? And Please, Sassu- God. Sassuolo uh, just a point behind Juve. Um, after a uh, a one nil win, even though they were down to ten men against Benevento, mm-hmm. um, Berardi's penalty in the eighth minute stood up, um, and uh, and so Sass keeping keeping uh, keeping up with the Joneses, I guess, with the Uves, <laughs> Um and then Roma down there in sixth on twenty one. Hell's Verona story of the season seventh on on nineteen. Shout out Hellas. Well, uh, the big news was was Champions League and Europa League draws today, Mika. So what do you say we take a quick break and we dive into that? Yeah, sounds good. Welcome back, Mika. Champions League draw is always there's always a little bit of a just a, a humming in the air, little little excitement around the potential matchups of the Champions mm-hmm. League. And as this one got drawn out, there's there's some cracking matchups in here in the in the the first knockout stage. Um, as we started off, just breaking these down. There was an air of inevitability about the fact that Borussia Mönchengladbach had avoided Man City in the group stages. They were not going to avoid them in the next draw. And uh, <laughs> so Mönchengladbach get, get City. Yeah, look, it's a historic achievement for Borussia Mönchengladbach to get to the knockout stages. So I'm not expecting anything from this this. Uh, this leg, this, this fixture. Um, but yeah, it, it had to happen that way. Didn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, just, just happy to be here. <laughs> I, th- I think if you're, if you're going to draw, uh, and I think this can be said kind of just broadly across the whole draw for those teams that are used to looking across at a just impossible matchup. I think the name this season means so much less than it normally would because I, I think Munch and Gladbach actually stand like a very good chance of giving City a fight. Um, and and if you are going to draw City in a knockout stage, this is the year to do it. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't think City are going to like put the work on us like they did to Schalke like two seasons ago. If you remember <laughs> that tie, that tie was a bloodbath. Yeah. Back when Schalke were a European side. Um, <laughs> yeah, all sorry. those many, many two years ago when they were in the <laughs> Champions League. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's fair. Maybe we could see something strange here. I just think that the the group stage was very up and down for Gladbach. And um, it's kind of uncharted territory right now for Michael Hose's side because of, of all the fixtures. Um, so we'll just have to see. 
Lazio, who uh, gave Borussia Dortmund such fits during the during the group stage, uh, draw their rivals Bayern Munich. Um, Bayern, obviously the favorites in this one, but Lazio, I mean, they they've been dangerous in Europe. Yeah, I, I, this is the one that I don't know what to expect. I can't say I've watched a whole lot of Lazio this season, but I mean, Bayern are surely I think favorites. I think it won't be easy, but I think they eventually will go through. Yeah, shout out to Lucas Leva. That's oh yeah, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the really big matchups of this draw, Atleti drew Chelsea. Um, big test for for Frank Lampard and the boys. Yeah, this is going to be a really fun one. Just like all the up and coming, like potential generational talents, going to be on display in this one. I mean, Joao Felix, Kai Havertz, Timo Werner. I mean, just this is the this is the tie for the neutral um, yeah. that wants to see like the next big things, this is the one. Um, yeah, I mean, Lampard going up against Simeone, you know, one of the most experienced managers in the world, been at the helm at Atleti for almost a decade now, if I'm not mistaken. And um, Frank still very much in the infancy of his career. Um, I mean, he's, you know, barring the Everton result, Chelsea's been playing some pretty good stuff, um, especially defensively. So this, this matchup might be a bit more attritional i think than than we might think yeah well it's one of those things like do we almost curse it into being like boring by hyping it into mm-hmm. you know potentially being this like scintillating the scintillating tie uh and uh i just this this one will get my blood like my blood pressure up again if atleti don't show the same if they don't come with the same energy that they came into last year's first round knockout Mm. stage against Liverpool if they show up flat against Chelsea I'm gonna be pissed because like (laughs) Chelsea at least need to be they need to get a fight at least they need to get that Simeone like you know like crotch grab energy oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah I hear you um speaking of Liverpool um the English champions draw RB Leipzig and get a manager rematch in Julian Nagelsmann who, or Julian Nagelsmann, I should say Julian Nagelsmann who uh, was last faced Liverpool in the champions league in the qualifying round uh, with Hoffenheim um, in uh, Klopp's first year back in the champions league, the year that they went to the final in Kiev against, against Real Madrid. Oh my God. Yeah, that's right. This now this might actually be like the fire like attacking fixture. <laughs> um Nagelsmann is coaching the hell out of this Leipzig sign side and January is coming up and they might be adding Dominic Silverslack to their ranks. So um you know if if Liverpool can get healthy by then I think they they make not light work of Leipzig but I think they go through if they get healthy by then. Otherwise uh, I think Leipzig have a chance. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see where their form is at in the league at at that time, but this is a really, really good, interesting matchup. Again, another good one for the neutrals. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful because I think Leipzig is exactly the type of team that Klopp likes to, to play like another team that likes to attack. Um, Mm. cause anyone sitting in a low block against Liverpool and Klopp is like, 
just so maddened by that i think um <laughs> but it's because the counter attack obviously plays you know into our hands a little bit um so it'll be interesting to see that that matchup because nagelsman got i think a lesson uh from klopp in that qualifying round like what with hoffenheim because he did try to play expansive and he tried to like play how he does with hoffenheim against like a dortmund or you know whatever and he got scythed apart um mm-hmm. in the in that qualifying round the it'll be interesting to see his growth since then and obviously with a with a much bigger squad budget as well um and and the the talent being a little bit higher than than what that Hoffenheim side was was sure. uh working with but um a team that will be happy that they haven't drawn Liverpool is Porto um cuz they've run into Liverpool now like two out of the last three years in the knockout stages. And, uh, and so they draw Juve and again, like maybe a case of good timing for Porto to, to run into the Italian champions. I mean, yeah, like we just spoke about uh, Juve are fourth in the league. They're not playing like their most scintillating stuff. I think Andrea Pirlo is still, you know, feeling out, you know, feeling out management in general, another Mikel Arteta style signing, I think. <laughs> um, but Porto too, they're not, they're three out of Los Tres Grandes. They're third in the table in Liga wow. So um, maybe, maybe a bit more of an unpredictable matchup than, than we might think. I think you obviously, when you have Cristiano Ronaldo, you've always got a chance of going through and he has been, he's been him. I mean, he's got, I was reading the other day, he has, 98 goal involvements in 100 appearances like that's stupid <laughs> like i think that breaks like models um, yeah. so hey i think they're favorites just for having cristiano ronaldo to be honest but it might be a bit more unpredictable than than that first blush um a, a big potential matchup that almost is like it feels so much different just due to how 2020 has gone um, for these teams, but Barca PSG, um, the, a rematch of one of the most famous comebacks in, in champions league history when Barca was the one with the remontada instead of uh, the other way around recently. Um, Mm -hmm. But PSG uh, you know, kind of their stated goal has to get has been to get back to the final, and Barca right now just looking for something to to hold on to. And Europe has been it so far. Yeah, they were they were excellent in the group stages, results wise. Um, you know, this past weekend they they really made it hard for themselves to beat Levante. Ultimately, Messi has to come through for them and 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 get the result. So. This is going to be a very different matchup from the one back in, I think it was 2016, 2017. The, the, I don't remember when Lara Montada was. I was still in school, but I remember watching that and just being absolutely shocked. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure I mocked Unai Emery on Twitter and then he became Arsenal manager the next season. So, um, <laughs> yeah, this is a, this I think is the marquee fixture, I think, in terms of prestige yeah. um, in the round of 16. The uh, Sevilla draws Dortmund and gets the upheaval club of of the uh, of of the knockouts uh, with them 
obviously changing managers by then um they could have someone completely completely new i guess in theory uh, by the time these games actually kick off in february yeah uh it's it's gonna be very interesting to see did we ever speculate on who might other than potch like realistically take the dortmund job i mean no but there i know there are a couple of names being floated out there um i think the one that sounds correct when i hear it is eric ten Hag from ix mm. that mm-hmm. sounds like it sounds like a dortmund managerial signing to me yeah that's fair he's a good coach yeah um we had a question about Sevilla from Patrick Ariola. He said, what will Sevilla do now that they no longer have that Europa League parachute in case they crash out of UCL? Will they give more of an effort this year? <laughs> I I mean, they don't really have a choice, I don't think. I think the the problem that Sevilla will, will have is they're going to be torn between like qualifying for the Champions League via the league, which is going to be their easiest route this year, I think, mm. like trying to get into that fourth spot. Uh, but uh, they, they're they so used to getting into the Champions League by winning the Europa League that like yeah. it is uh, it is a bit of a challenge for them. I don't know that they can realistically like dive in and, and win the Champions League. Like, I mean, any yeah. team can do anything this year, but I think that might be a bridge too far, just squad depth wise um, for, for Sevilla. Um, but I think I, you know, I don't think you'll see any sort of, I don't think they'll capitulate or anything like that in these matches. Yeah. I think they'll commit to the Champions League. Like you've seen them commit to the Europa League over the last, you know, however many over the last decade, <laughs> Yeah, I hope by the time that these fixtures roll around, more fans are allowed in. Yeah, um, I think if Dortmund have to go to Ramon Sanchez Pizjuan <laughs> with a full Ramon Sanchez Pizjuan, or even yeah. just a couple thousand fans, like they're not going to win at, <laughs> on the road. Um, and there's no guarantees that they win at the Westfalenstadion either lately. So, right, um, I give Sevilla a chance to to go through this one for sure. Uh, the last tie of the round, Atalanta, who we just spoke about, little bit of little bit of uh, craziness going on over there, but they take on Real Madrid, who are just the unpredictable club right now. Yeah, but you know when it gets to these knockout phases, um, this is when Madrid really turn it on, and where they have that kind of like institutional memory of how to to play this this tournament. Um, yeah, I think it's a huge achievement for Atalanta to to make it to the knockouts for the second year in a row. This this uh this advancement to the round of 16 basically pays their wage bill like for, you know, um for next year and, and what have you and is is huge for their finances. So I, I don't give them too much of a chance against Real, but mm-hmm. like you said, anything can happen in in 2020-2021. So um that that'll be an interesting one definitely. Moving moving over to the Europa League, obviously, uh, we actually had more interest from our listeners in the Europa League, which I think, well, it's obviously based on club alignments uh, primarily, <laughs> but uh, 
maybe that says something about about our our listener base being being a little more hipster about uh <laughs> about their football tastes uh but um the first the first draw out of here and and we won't maybe go through every single uh matchup but just kind of the ones that are catching my eye but the first one on this list uh Wolfsburger Asse versus Tottenham Hotspur um so Jake Konecki asked, do my boys from Austria, a.k.a. Wolfsburger, um, have a chance against Spurs? Um, yeah, I think they have a chance. Um, how big that chance is, is the real question. <laughs> um, I think on, on balance, Spurs probably get through this fixture. Um, but we also need to see where uh, the squad is at at that point. Um, because Spurs do and Harry Kane does get injured. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't know. Squad death might be the only question for Spurs and also depends on what, what they do in the January window. I would, I, either way, I, I think they get through against Wolfsburger, but yeah, they have a chance. Why not? It's like I said, it's just the weirdest season ever. So anything see. can, anything can happen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that'll be a stern test for, for Wolfsburger. I think, um, Fernie, Fernie, yes. I mean, he's, he's the Reza United fan, uh, listener. So <laughs> he asked Sociedad versus United. Does Ali pass the test? Yeah, I, I think I would pick United to go through, um, simply because experience matters at, at, in these knockout phases. Um, United have won the Europa league in recent memory. Um, you know, they have Champions League experience. All they has Champions League experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I just think they'll have a little bit more than, than Real Sociedad can handle. But I don't know. Maybe maybe David Silva, you know, treats it like a Manchester Derby and absolutely goes off. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Adnan Yanazai is back for revenge. No, I. <laughs> oh my god, oh man! Yanazai and Lingard could be lining up against United. Like that's actually cray. That, <laughs> would Je- would United allow Jesse Lingard to play against them uh, on loan? Um, I don't know. Sensational. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, your club got handed a pretty tasty fixture, actually, Benfica. Um, against Arsenal and uh are you are you happy with the draw or would you have preferred like drawing more of a minnow um Mm. I guess like because Benfica obviously historic club with history in this competition as well I don't discount anyone these days I mean we got that work from Olympiacos last season (laughs) so I just really don't discount anyone Benfica are sitting you know in second in Liga Nos just just two points behind Sporting so um you know having a pretty decent season um big club I think the big winner in this one is is Emirates <laughs> because <laughs> they, they sponsor both kits. So yeah. it's just a nice little advertising uh, fixture for them. Oh, God. Oh, God. The cynicism <laughs> in my brain just went up to like 10,000 because I'm like, <laughs> could they have paid UEFA for this to happen? Bruh, like, <laughs> have you seen like... <laughs> Oh no! It might be the case, honestly. Oh no! But their kids are pretty nice. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they are. Um, 
just running down the list a little bit uh red star belgrade ac milan um royal antwerp who defeated spurs uh once in the in the group stage uh drew stevie g's rangers who are are just absolutely flying at the moment in in the scottish premier league um Brendan Brendan Rogers Leicester City get Slavia Prague who were also very good in the group stage um Via Real uh got FC Salzburg so the that'll be a really interesting uh match at Salzburg Una like Emery, you said Jesse Marsh Yeah Unai Emery Jesse Marsh that's such an odd you know like quirk of the Europa League is Jesse Marsh could could conceivably come up against just a ridiculous amount of of uh like big name managers (laughs) it is weird uh Roma got Braga from Portugal um Krasnodar taking on Dinamo Zagreb um a tie that I think highlights I'm gonna highlight a team that I think has a legitimate shot in this competition the way they've been playing Bayer Leverkusen get young boys and mm. I think it's a favorable draw in the sense that the Swiss League is is obviously not at like the heights of of others um not to not to say that um there aren't talented teams because we've seen you know lots of of Swiss players and players coming through the Swiss leagues um who go on to to bigger to bigger things but Leverkusen the way that it's going like if they continue to get the right draws they could they could be in the hunt for this yeah yeah I think that's fair to say although I don't know I feel like one of the Italian teams might take it this year I think Napoli's got a chance yeah but another that's a tasty that's a tasty matchup too but Mm -hmm. um yeah Europa League man Anything can happen. <laughs> Shakhtar uh, draw Maccabi Tel Aviv, and that's a very that's an extremely favorable draw for Shakhtar. And I mean, you could in theory, Shakhtar, the way that they <laughs> beat Madrid twice, like they have yeah. a legitimate shot uh, in this competition as well. Um, Lille Ajax, the French, Love that one. the leaders of of Ligue 1 against the leaders of the Eredivisie, like quite the matchup yeah that that's one that i really would like to see play out that'll be a very good one two two sides with lots of attacking talent um be a good one and olympiacos versus psv eindhoven as well so like i think most often in the in the round of 32 in the europa league you're used to seeing like uh it's just a bunch of like washed matches that are going to be like blowouts because one team is tiny and one team is huge. And that's just not really the case in this draw. Like there's a lot of good matchups in here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's no like, like no disrespect, but there's no like Carabag, like Napoli or something like it's, there's more parody. I feel like in this, in this draw this year. So um, yeah, we a good one. Well, speaking of champions and trophies, uh, North America saw its two big leagues hand out their their biggest uh, titles um, this this past weekend and Liga MX. I mean, we spoke about 2020, 2021 being just a weird, a weird season. Um, a Liga MX's final of Leon and Pumas uh, played out, and Leon running out the the Apertura winners, uh, a three one aggregate 
win for Leon and uh and yeah, Giuliani and Moreno the scorers in the second leg to give Leon uh the title. Yeah, shout out Club Leon winning the Apertura, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um cuz uh Mexico has two leagues essentially, uh two seasons. Um you know, I would be lying if I said I watched a, a single minute of this game or indeed of Liga MX's <laughs> this season, but uh, it is growing in popularity here in, in North America. And we have been asked by the listeners to kind of highlight North American football a bit more, which is more than fu- uh, fair. Um, and, and by all accounts, Club Leon seemed like the team to beat and their manager since coming in. I think there's statistically been no team better. Yeah. Um, so, you know, congratulations to them. I think Pumas had pulled off like a big come back earlier in the tournament and we're not able to do that here. So um, very interesting that they play a final over two legs, um, which I think is really cool. Also shout out Joel Campbell, (laughs) former (laughs) Arsenal player now applying his trade in in Leon. Um, I think he came on for this match and then came off. So (laughs) I don't know that he made too much of an impact in in the run in general, but he yeah. was substituted, uh, <laughs> having come on as a substitute. So yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's such a that's always can weird I, when you see that. Can I give a fun fact? Just I was reading sure. just generally about like Mexican football and somehow got onto you know when you get on Wikipedia and then you just like go down a rabbit hole of like Absolutely. links. Absolutely. So I thought you would find this interesting, and maybe you know this: the largest chain of department stores in Mexico is called Liverpool. What? <laughs> did you know this? <laughs> no, I did does not. Does Pat know. Staley know this? He probably does. He probably does. Pat. Yeah. Please. I was. <laughs> please inform. Like, I. No, he must have told me that. He must have. It is like the. Because I was looking on like Google Maps at like Leon's, like the area of their stadium. Sometimes I just like to do that. And I see this thing on the map that says Liverpool. I'm like, what the hell is that? So I click on it. And it's a store. It's a department store. It's like the they're like Macy's. And it, I then I went and read about it on Wikipedia and they're like the largest department store. I guess they were wow. when they were formed or like founded. A lot of their merchandise came in from Liverpool and he the, oh. the owner just decided to call it that. But yeah, That's <laughs> so, so I'm funny. glad you didn't know that. I'm glad I was able to inform you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now I'm getting like this dread that Pat is going to be in my mentions. Like I have told you that a bunch and you like forgot. So I don't know. (laughs) Um, Hopefully that's not the case, but um, so last, uh, last shout out champions uh, in North America, the MLS final uh, was played and Columbus crew who, we're on the brink of not existing three years ago and being relocated to Austin. Um, defeated Seattle Sounders three three nil goals from Lucas Zalarian and Derek Etienne. Lucas Zalarian was a menace in this game. Two goals and an assist. He absolutely ran the show um, in that number ten spot. Um, it was actually a, a very entertaining game. I watched like the extended highlights and it looked like a very, very entertaining game. I do think it is a little tin pot that MLS cup, their final can be played at one of the team's venue. Like that just seems very unfair Right. Like, that it can be played at. Yeah. It should be a neutral stadium, but whatever. <laughs> um, 
I really like that Tien's finish too. That was like Thierry Henry's that like bending into the corner. Very nice. But staying and, on the ground. But staying on the yeah. ground. Yeah, like <laughs> passing it into the into the far corner it was very, very nice goal. And uh shout out Jair Marufo, yeah. Passowin. Yeah. Who officiated uh this one. I think it was his third MLS Cup final. So yeah. shout out Marufo. Yeah, one of the one of the top uh referees in uh in the world um uh, came <laughs> coming out of El Paso and and certainly one of the best American referees and been in uh World Cups and 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 the like. Um I have to give a shout out to unused substitute Christian Nemeth, uh former Liverpool player who uh now plays for Columbus crew. <laughs> so Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Hungarian uh who came up through Liverpool's youth system who uh yeah. Um and fun fact, he became the first Hungarian to ever win the MLS Cup title. So <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> Anyways, um yeah, so a uh, couple of couple of titles handed out in North America and uh yeah, I I'm uh well it's more than can be said for our our other teams league uh USL did not <laughs> did not award a championship this year. I know, I know, and they might be starting late, right? Or I mean, that's all but confirmed. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be starting till May. So yeah, Ugh, okay. USL in the mud. Um, <laughs> so now it's time, Mika, for our additions to our sounds of the season playlist. Um, you can find this playlist on Spotify if you're looking mm-hmm. for some some music to accompany your drive or once you're done listening to this podcast, if you're like, I want to hear more stuff, then you just Google or sorry, you search on Spotify. Google will probably take a longer time to get you there, but (laughs) uh, you search on Spotify for sounds of the season um, and you can find our playlist where we just add a couple of songs every week. And uh, yeah, it just keeps growing and growing. Doesn't it make a, yeah we're at like after tonight i think we'll have like 50 songs it's like three hours and change of some really eclectic (laughs) (laughs) uh, list of like alternative music all over the shop um i went on my friend's phone the other day and just subscribed to it so i'm just aggressively now like putting it on people's phones he likes the kind of music we like though, oh, okay. so cool yeah we're gonna we're gonna be like that u2 album that everyone had to get on their iphone oh in, like, my god <laughs> we're just gonna cut a deal with like with android that like we're just part of the os <laughs> sounds of the season playlist you can't delete it yeah oh my god so mika what have you uh what have you got for us this week Okay, so I've gone with my first one. Well, I have it out of order on the outline, but my first one is a song called Kingdom Come Get Your Crown by Lower Definition. Lower Definition is one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, They are reunited and writing music right now, so I'm so excited for that to come out. Um, I saw that. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, I mean, this is a song about just like hard times and getting through them. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So there's a line in that in there that says, you know, get back up and, and show them your teeth. And I think that's what Arsenal needs to do right now. Um, 
like I said at the top of the show, we're in free fall right now and something's got to change. But um, at the end of the day, this is a massive club. And, and I think that eventually we'll be where, where we, you know, really should be, which is, you know, at or near the top of the table one day. But um, that's my first choice. And the other one is just a, a song that came out on Shuffle the other day. And I couldn't believe that we didn't have Johnny Craig on this <laughs> on this playlist yet so Fair i've gone point. with uh the past should stay dead by emma rosa um just one of the best like vocal intros in like the genre yeah <laughs> the tailored sheets yep. like everyone knows that lyric so um just a great song and we needed some jc on the playlist yeah <laughs> it's so funny because when you when you said the title of the song i heard in my mind the beginning of the song like that's <laughs> yeah, how iconic, yeah, it's iconic. It is. yeah it's unbelievable um and also so, he he and canelo alvarez are the same person yes they woke <laughs> that was that was incredible yeah between so scott parker and uh and pat staley are the same person and uh johnny craig and <laughs> johnny craig and and canelo are the same exactly um, <laughs> doppelgangers doppel doppelganger gang i don't know i don't know there's something in there anyways um yeah so for for mine um i've gone with a a pop punk entry uh the story so far uh swords and pens just uh a lot of opinions like being shared Mm. out there especially in light of these managers like losing their jobs or being on the brink of losing their jobs lots of uh lots of opinions you know and the pen is mightier as they say um and that album is a banger like, oh, there are no bad songs on that start album. to finish and it's the only way i mean i almost feel bad putting a song onto the playlist because it's like you kind of have to like go listen to the whole album like mm-hmm. that's just how it should be mm-hmm. uh consumed um but yeah then i've thrown on there also a a way like this is a throwback throwback uh for the fallen dreams uh is the band and the song's called new beginnings um off of their like debut album changes from like 2008 uh which is a total like just beat down like you know hardcore metalcore like whatever you want to call it but it was just like basically what would happen if we made a band that was just trying to be as heavy as possible? Um, that's, (laughs) that's for the fallen dreams. Um, but they have some really cool, like melodic, uh, sections in there as well. And new beginnings. It's hey Bruce Dortmund. It's a new era, new beginnings. And, uh, maybe, maybe a new face to take, uh, to take that young squad into the future. So I felt it fitting. Um, but yeah, so be sure to, uh, yeah, to follow that podcast and it'll automatically update like every time we add songs. So you won't even have to re-download or anything like that. Um, it'll just have it there. And uh, if you're looking for like a workout playlist, I think this is definitely um, a good shout uh, for anyone for sure. trying to trying to hit the hit the weights. Um, but yeah, um, well, I guess I guess we should probably. I mean that's that's about it, right, Mika? 
that's about it until cool. you know when more football starts tomorrow like <laughs> not breathe <laughs> we're gonna have to be putting out an episode every single day at this rate like yeah our friend christian was like time to make it bi-weekly y'all i'm like bruh i can't <laughs> like yeah maybe maybe if uh maybe if this becomes like a paying job then then we could then perhaps (laughs) perhaps. um but no if uh if you guys have enjoyed uh please uh subscribe follow like review whatever the whatever the platform allows um on your podcast platform of choice um we're on spotify apple Podcasts, google play and uh we just really appreciate any any feedback at all and and any uh any follow or anything like that it does really help us um get more exposure to the podcast and uh yeah if uh if you want to share your opinions or you think anything that we said today was like totally off the wall or or anything like that you can hit us up at hxc football on twitter and it's uh yeah we're we always love to engage and we always like to banter about what's going on each match day so um yeah hit us up there and until next time guys uh i don't know have fun stay safe see ya bye